athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. It is indeed a pleasure to come to you each and every week here on the program from our studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a lot to get to on today's program because there's a lot going on. As a matter of fact, the HBCU world lost an absolute legend. Mr. Eric Moore, founder of Onidan, the Onidan Group, better known as Onidan.com, passed away on Saturday. As a matter of fact, I got a text. I was on my way. I think I may have even uh, just gotten home at the time. I got a text from uh, Ed Hill, who's the former sports information director at Howard, was, was the SID at Howard for many, many years, is in many, many Hall of Fames. Um, that Mr. Moore had passed away and he had been sick uh, for quite some time. When you talk about HBCU football and you know, you guys know how we do or not football, excuse me, sport. And you guys know how we do it here in terms of HBCU sports. I mean, listen, when I was a student at Morgan State University, I mean, that was the go to onadan.com was the go to place. I can remember, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I may have just. I guess I just I I completed the 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 uh, the requirements for my courses at Morgan State University, December of nineteen ninety eight. So I guess I guess and that's right. I had already graduated. As a matter of fact, the draft had come around. The NBA draft had come around, and um, I can't remember. It seemed like there was maybe a publication. I don't remember if there was a publication. No, there was a publication. The Montgomery Journal. I was actually auditioning for the Montgomery Journal. And there was a kid out of Montgomery County, Maryland, who uh, was supposed to have been drafted, played at Virginia Tech. His name escapes me right now. He, I can't even remember if he was drafted. That's right, I was doing a pre-story. That's what it was, pre-draft. Did the story on him, submitted this story to the Montgomery Journal. But then, I, you know, when Paul Smith, those that may remember Paul Smith, got drafted in the second round by the Utah Jazz in the 99 uh, NBA draft. As a matter of fact, it was held in Washington, D.C. I was at the draft and I can remember saying, OK, I'm going to write a story on Paul Smith. I mean, I was so into HBCU even at that time, right? HBCU sports. I'm going to write a story on Paul Smith. I went and interviewed. I don't know, may have been a scout from the Utah Jazz because at that time, I mean, the email, I mean, you, you had email, no doubt, but it wasn't prevalent. There's no such thing as texting. Uh, right, barely had a cell phone, and so I was able to get the scout on the phone and talk with him, and maybe the coach at St. Paul's at the time. I don't know if it was, I don't remember who the coach was, but anyway, uh, and, and I'm sorry, I said Paul Smith, Antoine Smith. It was Antoine Smith, Antoine Smith. So did this story, and I was like, man, I'm going to submit this 
to Onadan. I mean, that, that's that's where you want to be. That's the place you want to submit a story to. I think I was, I may have been asking for some money for this, you know, newly out of school, maybe like $35 or uh, something like that. But coming up as a student at Morgan State, and I was the the sports editor of the student newspaper, The Spokesman, right? That was where you got your HBCU sports fix was from onadan.com. And to have been able to submit that story uh, to Mr. Moore was indeed an honor. I believe he ran the story, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And that was really the beginning of a friendship, a relationship, a mentorship for the next in excess of 20 years. And so, again, we can talk about, I mean, you know, Box to Row, we do what we do with HBCU Sports, and there's so many other uh, platforms and entities that are out there. But, and and there were some before Onadan, right? Like there were, you know, you had American Urban Radio Networks um, with Ty Miller. He's still doing his thing. They had the Black College Pole and the Black College All-American team. You had the Pittsburgh Courier long before that covering um, HBCU sports. But in the dot-com era, because there was a transition, right? You talk about a transition from newspapers and radio to the dot-com era to where we are now. We're, we're way past it. I mean, we're in the digital era now. But really, a lot of us, including Box to Row, exist and are able to do what we do because of Eric Moore and Onadan. That's just on the media side. Let's not even, I mean, we can talk about the sports information side, right? Like the, like the PR side of things where he used to facilitate. I remember being the, you know, when I first became the sports information director at, at North Carolina A&T back in 99, Onadan and, and Mr. Moore, more specifically, and, most of the time would be the ones he would drive from right here in Raleigh up to Greensboro to keep our stats. Uh, when I was at Shaw, Onadan kept our stats. So, you know, you talk about that sports information space too. I mean, uh, he was the man. Onadan was it, and that is an absolutely huge loss, uh, not only to the HBCU sports world, uh, but to the black media world um, as well. Uh, to the media world uh, as a whole uh, because Mr. Moore was so well respected, uh, uh, not just in the HBCU world, but across so many landscapes. And it is an absolutely huge loss. Um, And uh, we are in mourning uh, as a matter of fact. And so on today's program, I'm going to share more about Eric Moore. I'm going to share some stories because as I mentioned, I mean, we did a lot of traveling together. We were, we were, you know, he was a mentor. He was a mentor to me, um, colleague, mentor, friend. Appeared on this show many times. We used to do a show called Box to Row Live for I don't know, maybe a year, maybe not even that long. He would come on that. I mean, he's just been on this show so many times. But I'm going to replay the conversation that he and I had on August 20th, 2015. When Box to Row celebrated 10 years on the air, we were right here in Raleigh. We were at the C.B. Jones uh, Auditorium on the campus of St. Augustine's University back then. And he came on, uh, had, made sure that he was on the show because he was an int- a, a very big part 
of what we were able to do with Box Row. Very encouraging. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I've I always looked to do, especially when starting Box to Row back in 05, was to um, pay homage uh, to those that came before us. Eric Moore, Lute Williams, who will join us uh, next week to uh, to talk more about um, uh, Eric Moore and Anna Dan. Uh, I mean, there's so many others. I mean, even right here in the Triangle, Benita Best um, with the Triangle Tribune and what she does with HBCU Sports. I mean, there's so many people to kind of really name. Uh, Eric Moore was at the forefront of all of us uh, because he was at the forefront of the dot-com movement, and that's how, from a digital perspective, you were able to get information on HBCU Sports. So uh, a lot of tributes today with respect to Eric Moore here on the program. Joining us today... Here on the program, uh, Josh Williams, a rookie for the Kansas City Chiefs, fourth-round pick by the Chiefs, right, the first HBCU player taken in this year's National Football League draft, made his first start in the NFL going back uh, to week six. Has made back-to-back starts, as a matter of fact, at the cornerback position for the Kansas City Chiefs out of Fayetteville State. He's going to join us today on the program i'm very much looking forward to that conversation and you too can join us here on box to row on our twitter page at box to row b-o-x-t-o-r-o-w week 10 in hbcu football and i'll tell you this not going to have an opportunity today to preview the hbcu national game of the week but what you can do is you can log on to our website box and click on the hbcu football daily podcast banner or you can find the hbcu football daily podcast wherever you get your podcasts as i preview the hbcu national game of the week i mean there's a couple of games uh, that are out there as a matter of fact that are big football games on this week some really big football games the division race uh between uh, well if Shawan defeats elizabeth city state then Shawan wins the ciaa's northern division if virginia union defeats virginia state and Shawan loses to elizabeth city state then virginia union uh is the champs and uh if um wow you have a situation let's say uh let's say virginia state defeats Virginia Union and Shawan loses to Elizabeth City State creates a three-way tie there in the CIAA's Northern uh, Division so you got a lot of games uh, in week 10 that still have some implications and I'm going to tell you what the MIAC is wide open Uh, I mean well really Howard is in control right now big win over Norfolk State last uh, weekend so Howard is 2-0 in MIAC play in control um but again, there are so many games that you can look at uh, this week in HBCU football that have implications. Congratulations to the HBCU National Players of the Week. North Carolina A&T running back Basial Tootin had an absolutely spectacular day. Over 200 yards rushing for the Aggies who came back from being down 28-10 to 10 to Campbell to win that game at the greatest homecoming on earth, 45-38. to 38. And then also Antonio Meeks of Tuskegee, 
six receptions, 212 yards, and two touchdowns as the Golden Tigers wrapped up the SIAC's Western Division title with a win over Kentucky State. Still to come here on Box to Row, Joshua Williams, cornerback of the Kansas City Chiefs. Also still to come here on the program, Eric Moore of Onadan passes away. So Eric Moore in his own words. But up next, I'm going to share some thoughts about the man, Eric Moore. Find the Box to Row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Omari Hardwick, Brandy, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to Box to Welcome back to Box to Row. You can participate on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, as we remember the guru, the HBCU sports guru, Eric Moore, founder of the Onadan Group and Onadan.com. And you're going to hear from him in his own words in the next segment. So I just want to share uh, some thoughts and some rec- recollections that I have uh, with Mr. Moore. 
I can't remember. Well, we had communicated via, and I was telling you about this in the first segment. I had um, uh, did the uh, the piece uh, on Antoine Smith, who had been drafted uh, by the Utah Jazz out of St. Paul's back in 1999. Submitted it to him. As a matter of fact, I think he he, he reprimanded me a little bit because I I I tr- I sold it to him, and then I tried to sell it uh, to some other uh, sites as well. And that was again was. Uh, the internet sort of in its infancy and uh, I can't remember I, I'm sure I probably still have that email somewhere I'd have to kind of uh, dig it up but he did reprimand me uh, a little bit but I can remember the actual uh, the, the first time I actually remember meeting him and it was the actual first time I met him uh, that I can remember now again um, you know I had gone to different MEAC media days I remember uh, the the SIAC's media day in 99, I remember driving all the way from uh, D.C. to go to the SIAC Media Day. This is even before I had a any kind of job, real job, if you will. I had a couple. I was I was working at. I wouldn't, wouldn't say the Washington Post and Library of Congress aren't real jobs, but what I mean is they were part time until I got a career. That's, that's a better way to put it. Uh, but I drove, you know, so I may have met him there. I don't. I don't remember. Perhaps. Um, at the Celebration Bowl in 98, that's where I know I remember distinctly meeting Lute Williams of the Black College Sports page because when I found out it was Lute Williams, I was like, man, man, I mean, you, you talk about people that you read and then meet in person. It's just, you know, I, I don't I don't know if it's like that anymore today because of the digital age. But back then, I mean, you meet people you read. It's like, wow, man, this is this is great. Um, but I became. Sports Information Director at uh, North Carolina A&T. This was in October of 1999, my very first game. And uh, Mr. Moore was doing uh, stats for football stats, and matter of fact, basketball for that matter, for A&T. And I, I didn't know. I mean, I'm first time on the job. As a matter of fact, I think um, I had um, gone down uh, A&T and uh, was playing Hampton, and I remember this vividly. It was the Saturday before I was to start that Monday. So kind of getting a feel for the press box and so forth. And I remember because LeCount Conaway was the sports information director at uh, at Hampton. And I didn't I knew LeCount, not really. I knew him from Hampton and communicating with him, you know, for various things uh, uh, related to Hampton. But of course, LeCount, I mean, much like Mr. Martin, just made you feel welcome, you know. And, you know, LeCount was just a jokester too. rest in peace uh, to LeCount as well. Uh, so I'd gone down the week before I, you know, whatever. So then the following week, I'm in the fire. I'm the I'm the guy. I'm the I'm the sports information director in the press box responsible for credentials and, you know, all of those things related to uh, athletics, media relations. And I had no idea what was going on. I, like I, I was so fresh to the job. I had no idea what I was doing. I remember Mr. Moore coming into the press box. He had a printer and a computer, you know, laptop, a bunch of stuff. And um, I don't know, he maybe didn't have a. Yeah, I think he did have it. He had a printer because we we had to carry back in the day at A&T. We had this big zero, uh, you know, copy machine. And each year we would transition it from the press box, the football press box to the basketball to Corbett Sports Center. Right. So now anybody that remembers the old press box at A&T. There was no elevator like there is now. There were no suites, none of that. Those stairs were crucial. So imagine people having to carry that thing 
all the way up those stairs and across campus, for that matter, to get to Corbett. Anyway, he comes in the press box. He was frustrated. And I knew, you know, I knew he was. I must have met him before. And, you know, I was trying to, you know, just in my nervousness and my not knowing what I was doing because he had to, I don't think he had a credential or he didn't have a parking credential, something like that. And he was definitely upset. I was trying to talk to him and he got after me. Just get, you know, I just need a minute. So I, you know, I just stepped away. Uh, You know, he got set up. I think he probably got there like 45 minutes maybe before the game started, something like that, when he usually would have gotten there maybe, you know, an hour and a half before whatever. And um, so then, you know, he kind of comes back over and we talk. And ever since then, you know, Mr. Moore, Eric, as I call him, Mr. Moore, um, and, I mean, just great conversations. Um, uh, You know, he, he wanted to see me and others like me that were younger that were coming up that had the passion and the energy for HBCU sports succeed. I remember when um, I I was um, selected um, as the uh, assistant media relations director at NC State and uh, maybe the first, you know, black person to be in in a media relations office at an ACC school at that time. That was in 2001 and you know, he did this this story that was on Anandan. And again, for me, that was a big deal because Anandan was it when you talk about HBCU sports. And I just remember the support that he, you know, Luke Williams, Benita Best wrote a piece. I mean, it was just great, you know, to kind of have that support and then coming through the ranks, eventually being the assistant athletic director at Shaw and uh, and so forth. And, you know, I just remember when I start when we started Box to Row in 2005, and, uh, you know, we always paid honor to those that came before us. Like I said in the first segment, the, you know, the, the Eric Moores, the, the, uh, the, the Luke Williamses, and, uh, you know, all of those people that came, you know, before Ty Miller, all of those people that came before us that made it so that that box to row can exist, all of the hurdles that they had to go through and, and continued uh, to go through. And Mr. Moore was always there every step of the way whenever I needed him to come on and talk as a guest or I told you we used to do a show box to road live used to air in Raleigh um like on a Tuesday at nine o'clock in the morning something like that on W on the old WAUG in Raleigh um he would come on as a guest um and matter of fact I remember because I remember even doing some advertising with Onadan but then at times he would just run stuff. Hey, you know, if you want something run, just let me know. You want to advertise something? Just let... He was that kind of person that wanted to see you succeed. And I'm going to tell you the biggest treat, some of the biggest treats for me coming through when we used to go, we used to do these road trips, right? And I remember two years, I believe two years in a row, I used to look forward to these road trips. It'd be my, it'd be, Mr. Moore, be Luke Williams. Sometimes it'd be Benita Best. You know, myself. We, we, you know, the contingency from here in North Carolina, in the in the in the triad and triangle area, uh, would make the trips to Birmingham. Drive, right? We were driving. I mean, that's a, you know, that's like a, that's like um, maybe like a, maybe like a seven and a half, something like that hour drive. You know, uh, to Birmingham. We'd make the rounds. Uh, back to Atlanta when the SIC would have generally the 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 uh, SWAC would have their media day on like a Tuesday then uh, the SIC would have it on a Wednesday or a Thursday and then either of that same well it'd be a Wednesday then maybe the following week 
the CIAA would have theirs on a Thursday. Uh, it would be, I forget, oh, it generally would, it, well, it was in um, Petersburg at Virginia State. Then it came to Raleigh and went, went to Winston-Salem, you know, one year in various places. And then the MEAC would always have theirs the Friday, that last Friday in July in Norfolk. And we would, you know, the, the great thing about it was the drives, the camaraderie, being able to talk to those guys, sharing some of this. The, 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 you know, trade, if you if you will, and quote unquote, trading war stories about, you know, the advertising piece and not being able to get advertisers and why advertisers, you know, weren't necessarily advertising on our various mediums and things of that nature. I mean, and just being schooled by Eric Moore and Lute Williams on the game and how this meet this HBCU media thing operated and how you you know how they had their struggles and how things were, you know, back in the day and all of those kind of things. I'm telling y'all, that was the most, we would stay, like I remember we would go, one year we went and uh, went to Atlanta and we didn't have a lot of money between the three of us, right? So we would save where we could. One one year we went to, uh, when we went to Atlanta, we stayed at, uh, at uh, Lute's son's house, right? I mean, it was just great. We would travel and, take care of each other and all of those things, man. I mean, those were some of the best times. And as a younger uh, person, just being up under, you know, an Eric Moore and, 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 and him, you know, pouring into you and telling you, hey, this is how this works or had you thought about this or, hey, I like what you're doing. I mean, that just meant everything uh, to me as a young person coming up. And so um, – Boy, wow! I mean, he 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 had been you know had been battling uh you know he'd been battling illness and and uh, and remember as a matter of fact he came to the the uh, when we celebrated 15 years on the air in 2020 he came out uh, to that in Durham and uh, so uh, definitely gonna miss Mr. Moore I think the last time I talked to him may have been on a Saturday last football season just talked to him for about an hour as I was driving down to a football game. You know, that, I mean, again, really having an opportunity to talk to him. I was on my way, matter of fact, to uh, Greenville. Uh, A&T and, and uh, Furman opened the season. This was 2001 and really talking with him. He sounded well, even though he had had some health challenges at that time. He sounded really well. He was energetic, like he was ready to rock and roll and still kind of working. Um, and uh, so, man, I'm telling you, a huge loss to a lot of us, to a lot of of us in the HBCU sports world. Up next here on the program, you're going to hear from Eric Moore in his own words, a conversation he and I had August 20th, 2015 as Box to Row celebrated 10 years on the air. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Birmingham, Alabama for the Magic City Classic matchup between Alabama A&M and Alabama State. We're going to pick things up with two minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. The score tied at 17 and Alabama State driving. They'll throw it over the middle. Got a man. Touchdown, Alabama State. Jeremiah Hickson, 24 and Alabama State led 24 to 17. Alabama AM mounted its own drive and 
on second and goal from the Alabama State Nine with seconds remaining. Casey gets a snap, throws it left side. His receiver falls down. That's going to be the end of the game. That was Graham Dunn on the ASU Sports Network. The Hornets would hold on to defeat Alabama A&M 24-17. Now to the HBCU National Game of the Week between Southern and Jackson State. Let's go to late in the first half with the Tigers leading seven to nothing and possession. Shadur. Oh, he's got plenty of room to run. He's inside the 40, 30. Shadur at the 20, 15, 10, 5. He dives. Give it to Touchdown. That's my man, the Hall of Famer, Rob J. On the JSU Sports Network, Shador Sanders' 42-yard touchdown run made the game 14 to nothing at that time. The Tigers would go on to rout Southern 35 to nothing and remain unbeaten and number one in the HBCU coaches and media polls. Now to Baltimore, Maryland for a MEAC matchup between host Morgan State and South Carolina State. Let's move to the fourth quarter. Morgan State leading South Carolina State 20 to 14 and South Carolina State with possession. Fires right side, gonna be intercepted. Picked off, Bears coming back the other way. 20, 15, 10, touchdown, Morgan. JV on Morgan. That's my man, the mentor. Lamont, Germany on WEAA in Baltimore. The pick six gave the Bears the 27-14 lead at the time. The Bears would go on to surprise South Carolina State 41-14. Now to Frankfort, Kentucky, where the SIAC's Western Division title was on the line. Host Kentucky State taking on Tuskegee. Let's pick things up in the third quarter with Tuskegee leading 7 to nothing and possession. Frank Lee on the Tuskegee Sports Network. Two big touchdown passes by Antonio Meeks helped to propel the Golden Tigers over Kentucky State 28 to 7. The Golden Tigers SIAC Western Division champs. Now, let me take you to Greensboro, North Carolina for Big South Showdown between North Carolina A&T and Grambling. We're going to pick things up early in the third quarter with A&T trailing 28 to 10. Give us to Tootin. Big hole. Tootin. He's going to outrun him. 20, 15, 10, 5. What a run. Touchdown, Aggies. The extra point was blocked. But the Aggies pulled to within 28 to 16. Then on the ensuing possession, three-step drop. First, yes, picked off. Interception. That is Jake Roberts. He's down the sideline. Five-yard line. Yes. He's in. Touchdown, Aggies. 39 yards, and the Aggies pulled to within 28 to 23. Now I'm going to take you to early in the fourth quarter with Campbell leading 31 to 30. A&T with possession. Fowler's pass has a receiver. Leslie yes. goes up and catches it. Oh, yes. he breaks a tackle. He's gone. It's a foot race. He's to the 30-yard line. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Aggies. Yours truly and Al Swan on the Aggie Sports Radio Network. The Aggies would hold on to defeat Campbell 45 to 38. And in Indianapolis. Heineke out of the gun. Play action. Drops the pass. Settles in. Floats it downfield. And it is picked off by the Colts. And it's Shaq Leonard. The takeaway of the machine. 
the maniac with an INT. The former South Carolina State star Shaquille Leonard with his first interception of the season, but the Colts fell to the Commanders 17 to 16. That's my guy, Matt Taylor, on the Colts Radio Network. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country. To listen to the show or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. We've talked about Eric Moore today here on the program. Now, a conversation with Eric Moore from August 20th of 2015. Eric Moore of Onadan in his own words. I can take a moment to kind of deal with this. You've talked about sponsorships. You've talked about advertising. Mm -hmm. I could not be prouder, excuse me, of the fact that North Carolina Mutual is supporting you because Durham's my hometown. And when you live in Durham, North Carolina, growing up like I did, I, I used to tell this story to my students when I was uh, teaching in Ohio. I, I would just flat out say I had examples of people that looked like me that were doing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if I needed bread, I'd go to the black grocery store. If I needed my clothes cleaned, I could take it to the black cleaners. And all within walking distance. I was born in a black hospital. So whenever I look for role models, I mean, North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company, a black insurance company, yes. And, and off, actually, there was a little competition going on. We all went to Hillside High School, except for the few that went to Merrick Moore or some of the other uh, institutions in Durham. And there's, you know, a little competition going on between the mutual kids mm-hmm. and the central kids. Okay. My father taught at North Carolina Central, so I was connected to North Carolina Central. But then there are those who were North Carolina Mutual kids because in many instances, it provided employment for a lot of people. It provided opportunities to do some things for a lot of people. And and I tell folk, yes, I grew up on North Carolina Central's campus, although back during my time, it was highly suggested uh, that I go to another institution. So I did um, and uh, followed through. But there's always been maroon and gray in my blood. So uh, as a result of that, um, seeing those black institutions doing the things that they do makes us very happy to see guys like you and others continue to do your thing as best you possibly can. And to have a mutual support you as well as your other sponsors is what it's all about. Because what happens is and sometimes we don't sell it the way we should, but black folk spend money. And one of the best ways, and, and there's a gentleman by the name of D. Park Gibson who had put all of this in a very detailed um, statement and, and uh, was about the black consumer market. And he basically said, in many instances, if you want to get black consumers or any consumer, you've got to invite them. And one of the ways that you invite them is by advertising. And we will pick up a newspaper, we will see ads, and in many instances, we make decisions based upon the ads that we see. So you are reaching an audience that hopefully these advertisers would like to turn into customers. And if that is the case, then perhaps they need to let those customers know we would love to have you come to our establishment to do business. So keep it up. I know it's been tough. There are a lot of people out here who just don't seem to understand that connection between the audience that you're serving and potential customers they can be for whatever reason. So hang in there and uh, we'll be there to give you when those days aren't too well, a word of encouragement. I appreciate it because, you know, I've called you plenty, plenty of times. <laughs> We've had our conversations, <laughs> for, yes. For that. And how was it for you? I mean, because now, you know, we're in a whole different age than when you started on a Dan, True. which you would 
think that things would be a little easier, but they're not. But w- what year did you start on it, Dan, and how difficult was it advertising sponsorship-wise for you? It all began back in, um, uh, I would say, 1987. Uh, that was the time that I, I saw what had happened was uh, I'm from North Carolina. I just told you I was born and raised in Durham. Uh, but I got to do some freelance work with black entertainment television. And again, it's all about connections. You know, one of my classmates at NC State University, where I went to college, worked at BET. We are at the CIAA tournament. And my background basically is in statistics and information. My mother and father were both librarians. So I began to learn the value of information and worked a lot to, 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 to try to accumulate it. In fact, my basketball career, listen to Stephen A. talk about his career. My basketball career ended very early in life because in this particular case, the junior high school basketball coach was my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And he lived right down the street. So, of course, every black man thinks he can play basketball. So I went out for the team. And uh, he pulled me over to the side and said, uh, 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 I'm going to need you to come to practice because I need the body. Mm-hmm. But I also want you to be our statistician. And I said, why? He says, well, I think you could handle it more than some of the other gentlemen out here on the court. Uh, and so that began my career as keeping statistics. Um, and thanks to many of the guys that I scrimmaged with, um, the Hillside High School Pony Express that I'll give a shout out to, uh, I was the guy reporting it back to the newspapers. Mm-hmm. And in many instances, they didn't believe the scores. So I'm calling. I said, yes, I like to report a score from the Hillside High School basketball game. And I give him a score, and the guy said, uh, we don't believe you. I said, all right, well, come on over to the gym and watch this team, and you'll begin to understand. Well, as the season progressed, then it became a matter of how many points did you get tonight? Wow. And uh, I'll always remember 148 to 68 was probably the largest margin wow. that we had done. Wow. Uh, and. That was the beginning of beyond my sports information career. I never thought of it that way, but, you know, reporting the scores in high school in many instances um, follow the same kinds of procedures that a sports information director may do in reporting the results of their particular games. So as a result of that beginning, my BET experience where if you haven't seen it, you must experience Jackson State Southern University mm-hmm. right. playing each other. Yes. I am at a facility, and I knew about the CIAA tournament. Of course, back then it was still being played at North Carolina Central in much smaller venues. But I got to see Jackson State and Southern University in Veterans Memorial Stadium in Jackson, Mississippi. 65,000 people. All of them looked like me with no problems. So when they ever talk to me, yes, you have to watch it when so many folks get together. That never was a problem. I mean, and yes, there was always friendly rivalry, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't ugly. and I saw that. I said, you know, there's a market out here because just like you had noticed, the people were not covering HBCUs. I knew for a fact that the local newspapers could care less about HBCUs. So I chose to become a vehicle to let people know the scores of games involving HBCUs. I've stayed focused on that, have done specific kinds of activities related to just letting people know what's happening. And I try to cover the country and even from uh, Harris Stowe University that's in St. Louis. They are now pushing their athletic program. Uh, but yeah, I, that's what I did. And the advertising route I did was once on the internet, which is a distribution system. You know, I, I 
originally had visions of being a radio and television owner. Uh, but then I realized the Internet is just another distribution system. I can get through without all of these gatekeepers. And so that began the process. But I use Internet ad networks on my site as a way of generating revenue as opposed to going out and knocking on doors. I used to sell radio time. And in so many instances, you finally got somebody to listen to you and they transfer out. Right. There's yeah. nothing more frustrating oh, man. I'm <laughs> than walking you. into the door, asking for something. Oh, they don't work here anymore. Yeah. Ah, so now I got to retrain the next group of ad buyers to see if they can even consider what I have to offer. Again, we're joined by Eric Moore, the managing partner of Onadan.com. Certainly Onadan.com. I looked up to Onadan, still do, uh, as a matter of fact. And uh, Mr. Moore, from my days of being a student at Morgan State to uh, being at A&T, working in Shaw and so on and so forth. And, you know, we, we've traveled a lot of different places <laughs> to the SIAC media yes. days and yes. NEAC and SWAC and all over the place. I want to ask you this, Mr. Moore. How have you seen, in, you said 1987, so yes. we're talking, what, 28, 28 yes. years. Uh, how have you seen HBCU sports grow in that 28 years since you first started on a day? Well, it's interesting you ask that question because we reflect on it a lot these days. Back then, quite frankly, you didn't have as many options as you do today. And so, and I still remember the mink coats on Thanksgiving Day at the football game, just wow. to show you how far back <laughs> I go. And it didn't matter what temperature was. The, the mink coats came out <laughs> during Thanksgiving uh, when A&T and Central would play each other on Thanksgiving Day because they weren't worried about the playoffs. The, they didn't exist back then. What has happened is I think we have become a little more comfortable with recognizing that we don't have the captive audience that we once had. And fortunately, thanks to social media and other outlets, there are now some serious attempts to let people know that, yes, there are some good people at HBCUs, much of what HBCUs are about um, and perhaps, again, that distribution system, you know, the, the social media has now made it possible for the HBCU story to get told. Whereas before the gatekeeper just using a communication term, right. didn't let that information get through. Right. So I think we are now seeing a potential rebirth because a lot of schools have begun to recognize, especially recently. I mean, with the enrollment drops and other things that are happening in HBCUs. I know a lot of us were very happy to know South Carolina State University made its enrollment goal this year. Beautiful. And Beautiful. so Beautiful. many of Beautiful. our institutions are driven by enrollment. And that tuition helps run the school. And so where you used to look forward to aunts and uncles directing the kids to the HBCU, Unfortunately, we have some aunts and uncles who are directing kids away from the HBCU. And in many instances, and there's a guy, in fact, who just did a commercial for a federal state university. Uh, we know him as Flex, but he was talking about the extras that he got being at an HBCU campus that I know, having attended a PWI, don't exist. To have people begin to understand that, that nurturing, the extra effort, the the one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, attention that you're going to get in HBCU. Now people are beginning to tell that story. So it's going to be interesting to see what I think will be a rebirth uh, in years to come. You know, we were kind of sitting back, assuming that we we're going to still get these students regardless. All of a sudden, we now are seeing enrollment drops. So now yep. we've got to get out and market ourselves. Yep. So I believe that transition is now taking place. But obviously, there's 
there are too many good stories about HBCUs, regardless of the small ones, the large ones. And so I think as now people begin to understand, we've got to be a little more proactive. I believe you're going to see a change. It's a beautiful thing, uh, Mr. Moore. And, and lastly, we've got about two minutes. Uh, uh, Luke Williams and, and you, uh, myself, Luke, we've gone, like I said, we've gone to all these various, Stan Luter, uh, Benita Best, yes. uh, big shots out to her, of course, the editor of the Triangle Tribune, um, to all of these various uh, 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 media days and so on and so forth. Um, talk about your relationship with Luke. I know you got some uh, some good stories to tell. <laughs> yes, it's interesting that Luke and I started working together as a result of a recommendation from Ed Hill, who was the sports information director at the Howard University. Luke had this idea. And in fact, I actually have it on tape because we had a story done by Sam Crenshaw, who is now in the um, Atlanta market, but he was at the uh, WFNY uh, TV in Greensboro and in fact worked with Black College Sports Today which was a half-hour black college-oriented program on ESPN. Mm -hmm. So the Black College Sports page, which is Lute's um, baby, uh, was featured on uh, Black College Sports Today. And Luke basically says he was driving up the highway. He lives in Danville, Virginia, but he's kind of based in uh, Greensboro and often travels back and forth up and down US-29. But it hit him to put together black college sports information in a format so that black newspapers could run it without any extra effort. He literally sent them a camera-ready page, ready to go. All they had to do was slap it in their newspaper, and off it went. And so when he was thinking about, how am I going to put this together, he talked to Ed, and he and Ed are very good friends, and Ed said, you need to talk to Eric Moore. So Luke and I got together and started talking. And in effect, he went the print route, and then I went the Internet route. Mm -hmm. But both of us were looking at ways to promote black colleges. Uh, in fact, he actually began to put his black college sports page into a book that turned out to be green, and we always call it the mellow green. But it's history, mm -hmm. and I've been seeing some interesting things about Steve McNair's Heisman Trophy video. I said, well, Luke was covering Steve McNair before people even realized who he was going right. to be. Rest in peace to Mr. Eric Moore, and that conversation can be found on the BoxToRow.com website. We'll be back. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The Neighborhood Original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Snap will be made to Garoppolo in the shotgun formation at the five. He takes it. Here comes a blitz. Garoppolo throwing left. And the pass is going to be intercepted. Picked off in the end zone. Terrific play. And give it to Joshua Williams, his first.
first National Football League interception and only the second this year by Kansas City. Let's continue here. We're joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, in week six, he made his first start in the National Football League and a couple of weeks ago got his very first interception. He's an HBCU All-American, a fourth-round pick by the Kansas City Chiefs in this year's National Football League draft. And it's, by the way, that audio that you heard, which is courtesy of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network, was of his very first interception. Joshua Williams joins us here on Box to Row. What's going on, Joshua? Welcome back to the program. Hey, how are you? Doing great, man. Your your first start, so you're going up against Buffalo. I mean, that that's a, that's a way to go, right, Joshua? Like to make your first start against one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the National Football League. Uh, just take us through your thought process even before that game and, you know, just what you were thinking uh, in terms of making your first start in the National Football League. Well, you know, um, even when I wasn't starting, I, I really try to honestly prepare um, like I am. You know, I try to be as prepared as I possibly can be. So, you know, I, I did all my, um, you know, due diligence. I'm studying, getting extra work after practice. Same things I always do. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of took the approach like it's, um, you know, another game. And, um, you know, I can't just be too worked up over this game. I have to treat it. Just like every other game, I prepare, work hard, focus, get film, study, ask questions with the coaches and my teammates, and, um, you know, just be ready to go out there and compete. And that's the one thing that defensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator, Spagnolia, said, hey, this is a guy that asks questions. Uh, he's prepared. He wants to know this. He wants to know that. What, what kind of grade would you give yourself in that first start? Well, you know, um, it was uh, there were some good things and definitely some bad things. You never want to give up two touchdowns, you know, not in the last one. So, um, you know, shocking those two players, I do think I played pretty well. But um, being that we lost the game, you know, uh, I mean, clearly we can be a very high grade. Um, and, um, you know, it's just something to learn from, though. Uh, you know, no matter the grade, I think I definitely, uh, you know, learned, got better through the game, um, game like, you know, very valuable experience, and honestly, you know, I felt like that. That even going into the next game, um, San Francisco, that that you know, that experience kind of helped me out. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that San Francisco game. To your point, you had a you know, I watch, and, and I'm going to be honest. I mean, I I, I watch some. You know, some games I'm all about the commanders, right? Like, I'm all about the commanders. I'm always going to watch them. But I watched your game because that was the late game against the Bills, and I watched because I knew you were starting. Hey, you had you had a big t- – yeah, you guys lost, but you had some opportunities. You had a big tackle for loss uh, towards the end of that football game. That was a key play, which uh, could have led to you all winning that football game. Right, right, right. And, um, you know, that's just something we saw on film. Uh, you know, I kind of uh, saw it coming a little bit. Uh, and, and that's just a uh, testament to the guys around me, my teammates and my coaches always helping me be prepared um, for when I do see certain moves. Speak to that carryover. Let's let's talk about that 49ers game the next week. Speak to sort of that carryover because it's always like that. Like probably your first game at Fayetteville State, you know, it was different than playing at Jack Brent. You know, obviously playing with the Chiefs is different than playing at, you know, playing for Fayetteville State. So that first game is always going to be different. Got that out the way. And now speak to that carryover. You know, yeah, you made some mistakes, but I'm sure some of the, the plays that you made that were positive gave you confidence going into that game against the 49ers. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, even though I did, uh, like I said, there, there were definitely some, a couple of players I wish I could have back. Um, I felt very confident after the game, um, knowing that, you know, aside from those two plays, and and I feel like very two very fixable plays that um, you know, I belong and I, I can definitely play in this league um, and play at a high level. So, you know, while I'm getting ready for San Francisco, it's basically the same thing I do every other week. Just like I said, um. Being as prepared as I possibly can, um, working on all the mistakes that I made um, during the Buffalo game, and, and um, you know I felt like that definitely helped me going into San Francisco. Uh, you know, not that San Francisco I was without fault, um, but you know I definitely felt like I played better, got my hands on some balls, and uh, you know eventually picked one off. So you know it felt good um, to get that under my belt and get that milestone out the way. And, you know, it's just a blessing to be out there and competing and um, be around the guys that I have in my corner. My coaches, Coach Spags, Coach Merritt, always keeping me, you know, prepared and, and on my toes. Um, and, and all the safeties, all the corners in the locker room, the vets, the rookies. Uh, you know, there's, there's a plethora of guys and people that go into um, me, you know, playing the way I do. So I, I want to give up, give them all the credit. Joshua Williams, cornerback, former HBCU All-American out of Fayetteville State with the Kansas City Chiefs now. Fourth round draft pick in this year's NFL draft joins us here on Box to Row. Yeah, so again, that first career interception a couple of weeks ago, take us through that. And man, you, you, you know, I saw the, I didn't see it live, but I saw the replay, man. You jumped sky high to get that one. Yeah, um, you know, I definitely had to go up and get it, but um, without, you know, I think it was Juan and um, I want to say Carlathis George, who, who who was coming in on the pressure and, you know, kind of forced the uh, ill-advised throw. And, um, you know, I, I was just there to, to make the play. Um, I did what I could, got as high as I could. And, um, you know, I felt like that definitely helped us um, in the game and it helped us, you know, eventually win um, at a point where, you know, the game was still, you know, hanging in the balance. So, you know, it felt good to make a play and, and impact the game in that way. Hey, hey, look, I saw you were thinking six on that one, right? Absolutely, man. I thought I was gone, man. I, you couldn't have told me I wasn't going home. <laughs> yeah, did you ever have a pick six at, at Fayetteville State? I did. My very first game of my senior year last year. So, very first game last year, I got a pick six. Yeah, man, that 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 was a, was a really, really big play. And you mentioned the comfortability in terms of um, in that uh, 49ers game. Uh, coming in, uh, but but you could see we could see this progression, right? Like everything you heard out of camp was that you were making strides and definitely were going to be one of the integral parts uh, of this chief secondary, which you have been because you've been on the depth chart, second on the depth chart a lot of weeks. Of course, making the last uh, couple of starts. Speak to that, and um, you know, sort of really um, growing and how how you've grown in these months with the Chiefs now. Right. Um, you know, it was uh, through camp and OTAs, um, definitely some some uh, growing pains. And, and, you know, there were some good things, too, clearly that the coach, coaches saw. Um, and, and, you know, that they worked with me with, you know, working on my strengths and trying to strengthen my weaknesses. So, um, you know, a lot of that was um, through these weeks just been, you know, getting in the playbook, um, you know, uh, and asking a lot of guys, uh, for advice, you know, with with the plays and stuff like that, um, getting used to to this um, very good uh, and very in depth playbook that we do have, um, you know, it's not an easy thing. So, you know, it takes uh, time and it takes uh, me getting with my coaches and you know other players around me. Um, like I said earlier, I really can't can't give them enough credit. They really do help me out 
and um, they're a very important uh, asset to me. And, you know, everything that I do, all the plays that I make, I just want to, you know, say that I wouldn't have made them without them. What is it like going up against uh, Pat Mahomes in practice? Oh, I mean, absolutely. That's probably where a lot of the growth came from, going against <laughs> the best quarterback in the league every day. So, you know, it, it's definitely um, it's going to make you better. Uh, you're seeing uh, a very, very talented guy, a smart guy, and, and he's a very hard worker, humble dude, um, and I can't say enough good things about him. So, you know, you, you have somebody like that in your locker room and somebody like that that can just help you grow. Um, I feel like he's making everybody better, all the rookies, all the whole defense. So, you know, it's really, you know, you can't put a, a worth on or how valuable it is to have somebody to go against and a quarterback to go against like that every day. Last couple of thoughts. What comes to your mind when you think about your four years at Fayetteville State? What what most comes to your mind? Um, I would definitely say uh, just, you know, a sense of, of home and family. I'm, I'm from Fayetteville, so uh, – you know, it, it, I was right at home. Uh, I made a lot of a lot of connections there. Um, went back this bye week to go see, you know, see the guys and, um, you know, see my old coaches. And man, it was, it, it was a breath of fresh air to go see those guys. Uh, you know, they they're basically, you know, I want to say a big part of the reason I am where I am today. They made me into the man I am today. Um, there was a lot of growth, uh, even at Fayetteville State. You know, me coming in as a freshman. Um, to, you know, leaving as a senior that, that occurred. So, you know, um, shout out to everybody there. The same the same credit I give to these coaches and uh, these teammates, the same credit I'm giving to, you know, my past coaches and teammates. So, you know, it's a blessing to have those people in my life and have had uh, a major impact uh, on me as a whole. Southern Division champs, last thought. Being an HBCU guy, a lot of HBCU guys in the league, what does that mean to you to be an HBCU guy in the league and, and starting to really kind of come on? Definitely. Uh, it's definitely um, a patch that I'm very proud to wear. Um, you know, I, I know that through these past years, we have been having some guys come out, but, you know, in, in the not-so-far um, past, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like that. So, you know, knowing that we're getting a lot of this recognition, and the spotlight is on HBCUs right now, especially, you know, Dion doing what he's doing at Jackson State. Um, it's really a blessing. And, um, you know, uh, I just want to, you know, make everybody proud. It doesn't ever feel like pressure. Um, you know, they'll just always give me support, telling me do what I do. And, um, you know, there's plenty, plenty of HBCU fans and, and um, supporters that, that are in my corner. I just want to say I appreciate all of them. The Chiefs host the Saints. Joshua Williams, cornerback of the Chiefs, former fourth-round pick out of Fayetteville State, joining us here on Box to Row. Joshua, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Chiefs. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Joshua Williams for joining us today here on the program. If you missed that conversation with Eric Moore, you can find it on our website, at BoxToRow.com under Eric Moore in his own words. So I invite you to check that out. For more information on the program, log on to our website again, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. Imagine all the pain I feel. Give anything to hear half a breath. I know you're still living your life after death. 